Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Commercial Property Roadshow, you're here with Helen Tarrant and I've just been to an inspection in Tari, so I'm in regional New South Wales and I brought along uh, a trusty building person, really? consultant, oh. uh, Stephen. For those of you Hello. who don't know Stephen, you might have seen him on some YouTube videos, you might have seen him on some of our webinars, but he generally comes with us and looks at all the buildings. And yes, because, that's you know, my thing. Because building a pest report really, really, you know, that's... excites you. No, they don't. But, you know, they're an absolutely vital part of the process. So we're about to go to auction tomorrow on a property in Tari. But one of the things that uh, I got an insight when I was looking at this building and I wanted to make this YouTube video with you guys to show you guys about some of the things that you need to consider when you're looking at a building. But also most people think just because there's a leak, just because the footings are cracked or that there might be some old aircon that it becomes a deal breaker. All of a sudden they drive that deal really, really hard and you really can't do that when you're in a seller's market because there's always someone out there that is work, that is going to pay more than what you're willing to pay for that property today in this current market. And there's very little negotiation room at the moment. If you're going out there, you're seeing resi, people are paying you know, 20, 30% above asking price for some properties out there. So Right now, what you need to do is obviously turn things pretty fast Come in terms of your due diligence and assessing a deal. But on top of that is to know what are some of the key indicators that are, are, are things you need to look for. But one of the main things is what do you need to put aside so that you can safeguard yourself against things that happen. So when you look at a roof and you're looking at the aircon, you're looking at some plumbing in the in the building, what is it that you need to go, okay, so that property in this property, nothing's going to happen in the next two years or three years, so I don't need to worry about it. What I'm going to do is take a little bit of the positive cash flow that I'm making and I'm going to put it away because in three or five years' time, I might need to patch up the some of the roof, not replace the whole roof, but you know change parts of the roof, or I might need to put new air conditioning in for my tenants to make them much happier. Right. So it's about working out a solution so that you're not driving the deal so hard that you're losing every deal because you're negotiating on all the capital costs and expecting the vendor to give you a perfect property. Yes, if you're paying the premium, you're getting 4% yield on a property. Yeah, I would expect, you know, I would I would do up a new aircon for you and, and do everything if you're paying 4% to get a property. But if you want to get ahead, it's actually about taking a property worth and all and then creating a budget for being able to then making sure that you take care of that property in your capital in your capital works because if you don't the property is actually going to end up going downwards and then you're not going to get the rent you want and if you're not going to get the rent that you want then you are not able to maintain the return the cash flow and ultimately the price point for the property yeah. so last thing you want to do is let a property run down because then you lose value over a period of time right now what we're going to do today is talk about half a dozen of the key things that I always look at when I'm looking at a property Firstly, I look at the step near the front door because you fall over and you look like an absolute moron getting into the property, right? So step one, be careful when you walk in the front door. Step two, and we got... So two, what happens those two steps? You have to walk over two steps. 
Look, if, you, if you're not smart enough to see the second one when you're looking at the first one, you really probably shouldn't be buying commercial property. Let's oh, be honest. So let's start at the bottom and work our way up. And we're doing this in, interestingly in reverse order because what you will find, um, and you'll see as we go through, mostly the biggest problems we have in commercial property is the roof, right? And I'll explain that a little bit more as we go. But the first thing I always do is look down at the floor. Now, if you have a peek at the floor, the first thing you'll see is you're looking for movement. Um, we're looking for cracks. Now, if you look at, it doesn't matter whether it's the wall or the floor, um, I have a theory with cracks. If you can put a business card in, um, just slide a business card in, yeah, it's okay. You just patch it and paint it, right? If you can fit your fingers in, then you go, yeah, that's not real good. I'm going to call an engineer because that's heading towards uh, something wrong. If you can put your fist into it, run, right? Don't don't mess around. Don't sit there and finish the inspection. Get the hell out. Because if a, a building's cracked that far that you can get your fist in it, there's something seriously wrong with Unless it. Unless you're doing a knockdown rebuild, right? In which case, you go, ooh, that'll save money. We'll just knock it down. <laughs> yeah. right? Slam the door on the way out. It might fall down. Hard to tell, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things that why we're so insistent about citing the property deals when we go and, and put our clients into a property deal is because agents don't look down and they don't look up and they don't film the air conditioning and there's lots of things that are beams, walls and, and places that they don't show you uh, that you need to look at when you are buying a commercial property. Exactly. And there are two reasons you shouldn't do a um, building and pest report. The first is you're a builder or the second is you're a building inspector. They're the two reasons you wouldn't do a building and pest report. Or if you have us and Stephen Cam comes along and does it for you as we're going through the process. Sure, but you know, I'm. That's. I'm not going to look at all of them. Just you know, focus, focus. So we go. Then we look at walls, right? Now walls can have a series of issues. One of the main ones is step cracking, where you see the the bricks fall apart on the joints, and uh, that can either be a sign that the footings move. So if you look down and you look at where the wall joins the floor. Um, if there's been movement there, you go, Ugh, all right, there's a, there could be a serious problem here. We get an engineer in. And again, remember, hand in, call the engineer. Um, if you, if it's above a window, then sometimes, uh, there is a metal bar above a door or window to hold the rest of the bricks up. If that has rusted and exploded, then that can sometimes squeeze the bricks up and cause problems. Now, depending upon where and how it is, it can be really a case of, eh, damn, that's going to cost a thousand bucks. Or it can be, you know, that's, um, we've got to pull the roof off and everything else down. So that one's a case by case basis. But again, it's the size of the crack really that is what's going to cause you the issue. And as I just always remember, if you can see it, you know, slide a business card or a credit card in, it's not the end of the world. Um, but if you can fit your, your fingers in or your hand in, call the engineer unless you're an engineer. In which case, you should figure it out yourself, right? Um, so that's walls and footings, right? We're looking for movement. We're looking for the building not being built properly. And sometimes people think we're weird because we're actually going there and we start jumping. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting when you're on a timber floor, right? If you get more, a timber floor is designed to hold roughly 500 kilos per square meter, right? Now, if you can bounce with your heels on a timber floor and it moves more than a little bit, then you think, hmm, have the termites been in, right? Now, we were in a building, oh, it was a couple of years ago, 
and I bounced on the floor and it was uh, probably 15, 20 metres long. And literally I felt the, the wave disappear and then came back and I wobbled a second later and I thought, yeah, no, no, we're not buying this. This is just a, a shambles, right? Now again, we're going to break some copyrights here, but at the end of the day, remember, it's about the ones we reject that make us the best. <laughs> that is true, right? but it is it is funny because ages think we go totally mad. Sometimes we're there, like there's three or four of us, and we sort of do this jump together, yeah. or we're like bouncing up and down, going, "Okay, is this is a bit sweaty?" And and they just think it's totally odd that um, you know we, we do that, just like mm. you know we do we test the water and the plumbing. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Now that's the next thing you do when you whenever you go to an inspection, have a wander around. Turn the taps on, right? Turn the hot water on. See if there's hot water coming out of the tap, right? I always say, oh, I'm just going to the bathroom, so, you know, flush the toilet. You lots want to... of bathrooms to go to if we go to four or five inspections in a day. Sure, I'll just take a, you know. <laughs> Drink lots of water. <laughs> That's why you're not invited to these things. Right. So, you, t you flush the toilet, right? Why do you flush the toilet? Because you want to see if the water drains quickly. If the water doesn't drain quickly or it makes glugging sounds, in the um the the floor drains then you know there's a problem so we get a plumber out to, to, to check you test the hot water and you test the cold water you're, you're looking for two things firstly hot water it's pretty obvious is the water hot there's the hot water heater screwed number two is there any color coming out is it rusty or is it a um a very milky kind of color if it is that could mean the anode's gone and you're about to lose the hot the element um in, in terms of the cold water, again, is it rusty? Is it, has it got any colour in it? And we're just trying to make sure, is there a decent amount of pressure? Right, so what we're trying to do is make sure that the system is working. And it's not, look, it's not an extensive test by any stretch of the imagination. But if you flush your toilet and it takes a long while for the water to go down, you go, all right, there's a blockage here somewhere and then we've got to investigate. Blockages can be as simple as, you know, some, some idiot stuck a doll's head down the toilet which happens way more than you can ever imagine. Or it can be a case of roots in the line and um, you know, that can be a twenty or $30,000 repair bill depending upon what we get. So again, it's all, uh, once you find the problem, then you've got to get the professional in to, to figure out what's wrong. Yeah. Um, electrical. Uh, electrical is an interesting one because unless you're an electrician, um, there's not really a lot you can figure out, but if there's wires dangling, if you open the power board and there's old fuses rather than modern circuit breakers, then you can be pretty sure there won't be a safety switch in it. You can be pretty sure that it's at 45, 50 years old and you're heading towards a rewire. And a lot of times insurance won't cover you uh, with 50-year-old wiring. Yeah, well, one of the things we always do is open the... <laughs> Open the fuse, fuse box. Fuse box and have a look and look at um, what needs to be replaced. Take a photo of it. Uh, if we're not inspecting one of our teams, so take a photo of it so we can check it out to see whether that is going to need a rewiring because that potentially could cost mm. the clients a lot of money in the next twelve months. Or yep. you know, if if there is a storm or something happens and they put through an insurance claim, well, that might end up costing them a lot more money because they have to rewire everything before the insurance does it. Uh, exactly, and the other thing that I'm always worried about is an electrical fire. There is no joy coming out of an electrical fire and the toxic smoke that comes from it uh, isn't very good for anybody. So, you know, well, I'm very serious about that. Now, when you order your building and pest inspection, see if you can get the building and pest inspector to do a thermal imaging scan of your power board. Not a lot of them can do it, but what it does is it takes an infrared photo of the power board and if anything glows too bright, we know that bit's hot 
something's overloaded or something's about ready to wear out. I was at a hotel in Albury and I am a nerdy enough to carry a thermal imaging camera with me and there was a buzzing coming from the switchboard in my room. I took a photo of it, turns out that the main switch into that room uh, was about to pop so then they replaced it and the management was very happy. Yeah look I think these things that people don't realise is that uh, it can potentially cost money that just happens, right? Yeah. Especially when you get into a new property. Um, it just sort of happens because you, you didn't realise it. And then you're sort of you've you've lost your first six months of your of your positive cash flow because mm. you've you've have to outlay it to replace it. But exactly. it's also important because your tenant could be overloading that and you don't know it because there could be uh, like if you're buying a property that may be 20, 30 or 40 years old, they could have had tenants in there that was doing other things. Like this tenant that was there, they used to do, I think they used to be a furniture showroom mm. before they became a gym. Now, the furniture showroom, they're going to need less power than a gym. They need a few lights and not much more, a couple of lamps. Yeah. Just about every machine at the gym these days plugs in, treadmills, walkers. And they had about eight Air cons. <laughs> Eight air cons, right. Yeah. But air cons would have been wired ex yeah. uh, externally. But um, they, in fact, in the circuit board today, we looked at today, they had an extra uh, switchboard in there for the air cons. But, it, you know, 60 or 70 pieces of gym, gym equipment is going to be sucking a hell of a lot more electricity than five table lamps in a furniture shop, mm. right? And they may not have actually, if you look at their building insurance, a lot of times they don't even tell the building insurance they've got a new tenant in there. No. So you're going in there and you're you're looking at it going, oh, okay, is you've got to look at the electricals, whether it's actually fit for use for the current tenant than exactly. what it was like 10 years ago or five years ago. And some look, and an upgrade can either be the cheapest thing in the world if it's just running a bigger power supply across the road, it can be eight hundred dollars. If it needs a new pole, it needs a new transformer, it can be a hundred grand. So be prepared to, to check it out before you sign on the dotted line. Mm. Now, two more. Um, and I know we're running over time today, so I'm <laughs> gonna speak quickly. All right. This is riveting. I'm sure people are just glued to this video at the moment. Well, if they, they've managed to glue themselves to the phone again, they're not smart enough to buy commercial property, right? So, um, air conditioning. Now, air conditioning is one of my favourite things in the whole wide world because it keeps me cold. It also means I can turn the temperature right down and that keeps Helen out of the room. So, huh. air conditioning has a lifespan of around about 15 years. And as it goes towards anything over 15 years, you know, it's starting to get tired. Anything over 20 years, you're running on borrowed time and it's time to replace it. And more use in Queensland than they are in Melbourne. Of course. So, so different areas, right? So you've got to take that into consideration as well. It also depends on the tenant, right? We walked into McDonald's this morning. It's cold, it's raining. And air conditioning was probably set to 16 degrees and it was freaking cold. So, you know, you, you've got to work out who's using it, how they're using it. Um, and one of the things to look at is people, there's two things to it. Um, service records of air conditioners are important, but if you service your air conditioning regularly, it's not going to make that 15 year lifespan magically happen to 30, right? It is more likely to get you to the 15 year lifespan because if you, servicing an air conditioner really isn't much more than cleaning the filters, making sure that there are no vibrations or buzzers in the motor that are ready to fail. Um, and looking for leaks in coolant and looking for leaks in um, any oil that's happening so that shows that a seal's broken in a motor or a, a fan blade, right? So ass assuming that the air conditioning has been serviced correctly, which means 
the filters have been cleaned and it's been looked after. That will probably get you to 15 years, maybe 20. Now, is an air conditioner a, um, you know, is it a, is it a deal breaker? The answer is no, right? A split system, I, I, when I'm doing my maths, I allow $4,000 for a new split system, right? Most of them are cheaper than that. Some of them are $2,000, some of them are two and a half, some of them three, depend, they, they go up roughly $500 per size increase, right? But there's not many air conditioners that are $4,000. So if you've got five of them at four grand, that's 20 grand. Is a $2 million purchase, that's 1% of the purchase price. And they're not all going to break at once. No, and you can probably do a deal on that, right? Um, but assume, you know, the, some of the big package systems are an absolute bomb. If it's a 40-year-old building with a, what's called a package system, which means you've got, you've got an air conditioning room somewhere in the building, then I'm not even going to try and give you an estimate on that. You know, um, to do air conditioning a new building is anywhere between $150 and $200 a square metre. So if you've got a 40-year-old system, then you're going to go, well, all right, it, this, is the, this is heading towards dead, right? I mean, I'm 50 and I'm, I don't look that good. I wouldn't want me cooling your room either, right? <laughs> so, you know, um, as, you, as you get to the bigger and bigger stuff, then you need to get someone more professionally involved. But also, who owns the air conditioning as well? So tenants often, like a gym tenant mm. or like a government tenant, uh, sometimes you'll find that they've actually installed their own air conditioning because their use is a lot more. Right? Exactly. So in a, in a standard office space, you might, uh, depending on the size, people often have two or three systems in there, depending on the size. But your tenants might come in and go, well, that particular room is a data room and we want to put an air conditioning in there. Or, you know, we're, we're actually going to have one room that's useful, uh, whatever purposes. And we've seen this in a lot of places where like today for example we walked in and there's air, air, eight air conditioners and the tenant has put in all of them and maintains mm. all of them so there's nothing for you to do as an owner uh, I've been to government properties where three of them are owned by the owner and the rest of the five are owned by the tenant exactly. so the ones you don't own you don't have to worry about them right the tenant does their own thing and as yours break you can replace them so you're only responsible for three of them uh, in certain places where you're looking at tenants who are doing their entire fit out you may not even have to worry about the air conditioning as well at all so it's just uh they're not deal breakers because they're a few thousand dollars in the in the grand scheme of things your property is going to appreciate more than what it costs for you to buy and replace one air conditioning unit. But in areas, air conditioning unit can be so important. It can be a deal breaker for your tenant, right? Exactly. In Queensland, air conditioning is a deal breaker for your tenant, right? And they're not so much in Melbourne, but just in um, in Queensland, right? Tenants need to be cool because the weather is so hot, uh, in, especially in North Queensland. And you get um, in a tenant, well, this is the first thing they look at is, is there air conditioning? Is it working? Uh, and, and this is the first thing they try. So that for you, if you're in in that area, you, air conditioning is, is a major, major thing to look at and to put aside money for. Exactly. We might actually do a separate video on air conditioning. Yeah. Oh, well, because so, it's so enthralling. Well, no, it's important. And it's, uh, you know, one of the things we always talk about is in res in commercial world, we're not trying to win the block. We're not trying to have the fanciest kitchen and the bathrooms, but we're trying to make it a pleasant place for people to work. Mm. And a lot of that is about temperature control and comfort. Yeah. So insulation, air conditioning, all mm. of that sort of stuff. All right. Roofs. 
Bruce. Now, I left the I left the most fun and the greatest pain in the backside until last. Of course, because that um, is the most important, right? Yes. Now, there's been so much going on about Bruce because of the rain that's been going through uh, in Queensland, in North, North New South Wales, and just around Sydney as well. There's uh, so many places are leaking, right? And you call the agent and you go, oh, the, the tenant, and they go, oh, look, the roof's leaking. But uh, essentially, But essentially, everything is leaking. Right, everything is leaking because they've just had so much rain. Some of them are legitimate uh, leaks. Sometimes they, they're not because it's just that you've got the overflow of it. Mm. Now, most people are worried about roofs when they're buying a, a commercial property because they don't know, mm. and they're worried about it, and they think, "Oh my God, it's going to be a deal breaker." Now, roofs, just like things in residential, they're things that are part of maintenance that you mm. have to look at replacing sometime in the future. Right? Exactly. So. Now, this is why we're having this conversation about roofs. Exactly. Now, look, there's always, there's a whole raft of issues that happen with roofs, right? Now, I, I said this once and everybody looked at me like I was stupid, but I said the big, the problem. Just that day. Mm-hmm. I said uh, the biggest problem in roofs is what is they always leak where you put a hole in them and people are like, well, obviously, that's not what I meant. What I meant is where there's something going through the roof, an air conditioning pipe, and a sewer vent, a television aerial, a uh, microwave link aerial, um, water supply, something. That is where they leak, particularly um, skylights, because you put uh, you put the fitting on the roof, and then there's a, a sealant that goes over the top, which is designed to stop the water going through. Now, imagine it's ten years down the track. Um, there's 365 days a year, so we've had 3,654 heat cool shrinking cycles right so every day the thing's heated up cooled down heated up cooled down and if it's out in the sun it's had 3650 days of sunshine so over time anything like flexible sealants go hard so they contract and that's where they leak so step one is you if you look at a roof and you go well wow the roof's leaking all right why is it is it leaking under where the sewer pipe goes through the roof or the exhaust pipe goes through the roof? Is it leaking around a skylight? Is it leaking around a um, a kitchen range hood? If that's the case, then the the chances are that it's not a crazy expensive fix. You can do it for a couple of hundred to a couple of grand by just replacing the sealant or the deck tight. Where it's an issue is you know brown is not your friend in either the sewage or on roofs, right? So if you look at the roof and it reminds you of a sewer problem, then you suddenly go, all right, we're starting to get to a point where we've got to replace these things. Now, what does that cost? Well, it depends on how much crap is on top of your roof. So a normal roof to replace is about $80 a square metre. Right, so if you've got 100 square metres at $80 a square metre, it's just a really simple roof, no air conditioners, no anything on top, it's going to cost you about eight or nine grand. If, uh, on the other hand, there is like one we looked at up in Queensland recently, which had 15 air conditioners, two television aerials, four sewerage pipes, and God knows what else hanging off, right? Solar panels, they're always my mm-hmm. favourite. You've got to take all of that crap off first, then you've got to replace the roof, then you've got to put it all back, right? Now, just to pump down an air conditioner is going to cost you $500. So this roof... Um, went from being a hundred or an eighty thousand dollars a thousand square meter building that went from being an eighty to ninety thousand dollar exercise to a hundred and sixty thousand dollars because of all the stuff on the roof 
right? Because it had to get a crane in, stop traffic, move it, put it somewhere. Um, there was lots and lots of work to be done. So 80 to $160 per square meter is the cost of replacing a roof. Now, one of the things Helen said before is you've got to allow, no matter what you own, you've got to allow for maintenance, right? It doesn't matter whether it's your car, it doesn't matter whether it's a building, um, you've got to allow for maintenance on this thing. Now, my rule of thumb, and it might be different for Helen, is if it's a newish building, I allow about half a percent um, of the income per annum. So if this thing's yielding seven and a half percent, in my mind, I take it down to seven and go, all right, whatever that part is, that's what I'm going to put aside to amortize the costs for things needing to be replaced. So if they're getting, say, 70000 a year on a million dollar purchase, would you be putting aside... Um, if it's a new building? Three and a half. Is that three and uh, a half? Four or five grand, you know? Yeah, three. Okay. Four or five grand a year. Yep. However, if it's an older building, I'd double that, right? Um, and if it's an older building with a with its air conditioning coming, because again, we, we looked at a building the other day in um, Maitland, and I, I was worried because it was about a 35-year-old building, but they'd replaced the air conditioning seven years ago. So I was like, all right, no problem. That's That's got another 15 years to go, or sorry, 10 to 15 years to go didn't have to worry about that. So part of it is you've got to work out where the roof is. If the roof's already starting to get rust stains on it, then you say, all right, I've probably got five, maybe seven years to go in that. So we work out the cost of a new roof and then we amortise that over five to seven years. Yeah. But again, we, we're hoping that that will be reflected in the price of the building because if your building's a million dollars, but we know the roof's got problems, we might get it for 960, 970. So we'll, over time, that'll, that'll work itself out. It's yeah, a balance. It's a balance. And you're not going to get all the whole roof off. So if the roof is going to be $150,000 to replace, the vendor's not going to give you $150,000 in this current no, market. They're not. Um, they're not. So to, to go in and ask for that, you'll probably blow the deal, right? So maybe 50% of it. Go up front and said, hey, you know, there's 100 grand or 150 grand worth of works. Take 50 grand off it. We'll come to the party in the other one. And, and that's what it is. Mm. Uh, and, and then though that in the next five years, you've got to accumulate 10 grand each year and then you don't have any surprises when it, when it leaks. And when you leaks, you don't keep patching it up and patching it up. You just go, okay, let's just, instead of doing that, let's replace that bit that needs to be replaced. Or if we need to replace the whole roof, we gradually replace it. And yep. then everyone is, is happy. Your tenants are happy. They don't have to complain to you about leaks. You, you actually save yourself from internal damage, which we have seen in our time looking at vendors who don't actually replace their roof they patch it up and the internal damage is caused and the angst is caused the tenant has not been worth it like you know it could create water issues on the walls it could create molding could create sort of damage to the tenant's stock and it could just um in, in a rain like this it could create a lot of issues depending on what your tenants do right we if your tenant is a car detailer or a car person then may not matter if they're a mechanic, right? A few mm. drops doesn't matter. No. But if they hold high-end furniture. Well, the perfect, exa the perfect example is the self-storage facility we bought in Kingcumber, right? At the time we bought it, it had two buildings. Yeah. One building was had self-storage units in it, and the other one had a, um, a place where when you sell your house, a stylus, where you sell yeah. your house, they come in and put in lamps and tables and fancy yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. So... They had salt. The guy had put 70 kilowatts of solar panels on the roof. Now, I don't know how many panels that is, but it's a shitload. And when he took them off, there were holes everywhere and they didn't patch it. And the tenant was so angry, they left. Yeah. Right now, 
we didn't bother us per se because we were putting more self-storage units in there anyway. But if you'd bought that with the aim that, hey, over time this is going to be an ongoing business, you'd been really upset because the, the, the water leaks caused the tenant to move because no one wants to have a put a lounge chair into a house and someone goes, well, why is there a water stain and why does it smell? Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. So this is one of the, the things that um, is important. But look, every property is different. At the end of the day, every single property, every single deal you do in commercial is really unique. Uh, and this is why uh, we've given up a day of our time to come up to Tari to actually see a property because everyone, as, as part of a client through our buyer's agency program, we actually cite or one of our teams actually cite your property to our standards so that we get to see and we get to know those ins and outs and each property is different whether you're doing exactly. warehouse whether you're doing retail whether you're doing a commercial and resi or whether you're doing an office space we're all looking at different things and we're trained to look at different things just from experience and this is one of the things when you when you do come on board with us we give you the that knowledge and that experience and it's quite a journey like you learn as you go along mm -hmm. so this is just a tiny snippet today. I know this video is a little bit long, but it's a tiny snippet of what we cover off in our due diligence process. Exactly. So if you are looking for someone who are working with you to be in partnership with you to build that long-term portfolio, that true passive income through commercial property, then do reach out to us, HelenTarrant.com. Send us an email. We'll jump on a strategy session. Let's talk through what exactly is it that you need for commercial property, what kind of yields, what kind of property, and then we can identify, go out and hunt those properties down for you and also do the due diligence and look at what is it that are deal breakers and what is it that are not deal breakers. Exactly. And also, when, you, when you're emailing Helen, tell her what you want us to do more videos on and we'll help with that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So comment below if you want anything specific on any questions. Email us, helen at commercialpropertycashflow.com.au. Yeah, the video <laughs> would have only been 24 minutes if you didn't have that ridiculously long email. Of course, of course, right. Um, right. But do reach out to us uh, and uh, do look out for the next video. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell, but comment below. Let us know what else you want to know more, if this video has been a help to you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on our other videos in the future. Okay? Thank Bye you and good now. night. Bye. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.